What are three things that could lead the Wild and Blues to a successful season and a postseason run? What are three things that could stop them from accomplishing those things? We discuss on part two of today's crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues. You're Locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to part two of our crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues, part of the Locked on Sports Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making both Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues your first listen each and every day. And just as a reminder, you can listen to this episode, any episode you want from any point of time in the show's history for absolutely no charge on your favorite podcast platforms. On today's episode, we are going to finish our two-part crossover by looking at three things that will help each team make a playoff run. Three things we're concerned about for each team heading into the start of the season. And then we'll talk about how the Central Division looks as well. My name is Seth Topal, host of Locked on Wild, joined once again by the host of the Locked on Blues podcast, Josh Hyman. Josh Let's dive right into it. This is the happy part of the episode. Good things? Yeah, we're doing the good All things. Right. And so, I don't know if you... I'll let you, since since you're the guest, I'll let you start. Just go three okay. things that are going to lead to the Blues having a successful season and making a, uh, a solid playoff run. All right, yeah. I mean, that part's way easier than the three concerns. Um Let's see, which order should I go in? I guess number one, I think the Blues' strongest strongest asset, if you listen to part one, the depth. I, I said it in the last episode. I think that they have around 15, 16 forwards that are going to be competing for the 12 forward spots on uh, during training camp. I think there's eight or nine defensemen that are going to be competing for spots in training camp as well. And as we know in the NHL, depth is so incredibly important. Injuries will happen. Regression will happen. Players will be in and out of the lineup, left and right. Not only that, you know, you can when you have four lines that you can roll out or three defensive pairings that you can roll out and be confident in, that's huge. The Blues had 920 goal scorers last year, and that that isn't just due to them having, you know, nine great goal-scoring players. No, that has, that's due to them having three lines of maybe even arguably four of really solid NHLers that – tire out the defense it was the blue it was what won the blues of stanley cup was their depth and their and their grit and their ability to just next man up i think that's the number one thing i'm looking at in terms of success for next season you know when players underperform when players get hurt next man up you know i'm not i'm not concerned about that in the sense that you know if if someone's out on the first line then great it gives a guy like you know jake neighbors a rookie a chance to maybe play some more minutes etc etc the list goes on and on Number two, it's a package deal. It's who we talked about last episode, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. Two of the most exciting players, probably the most exciting players I've got to watch since Vladimir Tarasenko's ascension. Um, They're so skilled in their in their own unique ways. You know, Jordan Cairo winning the fastest skater, Robert Thomas being able to uh, pass through a, a thread the needle, all that stuff. Um, 
both of them are so exciting and both of them are only getting better. Both of them had their first of hopefully many point per game seasons last year. And if they can step up and be, you know, the guys on this team next year, it's going to turn the blues from a sort of a two way defensive style team to a, a can't miss hockey, you know, skating up and down the ice, blazing speed, crazy passes. And that finally we might see a blues team. That's, that's sort of looking like the Harlem Globetrotters out there, which is always what I've secretly wanted to see. <laughs> and then, Number three, what I'm optimistic, number three is something that honestly also might be uh, one of my concerns, and that is the fact that in the playoffs against the Colorado Avalanche, we saw a version of Jordan Bennington that we had not seen since he won the Stanley Cup. He looked like an elite-tier goalie in the NHL. He looked like he could single-handedly steal a series against the Colorado Avalanche. The Blues were getting outplayed even in the games that they won, but we saw, like I said, a version of Jordan Bennington that we hadn't seen in years, and that was a big concern was – Will he ever get to that peak again, or was he a flash in the pan, one-hit wonder? And in that series, we saw that he is capable of playing that elite level of hockey again. And I think he's coming into this next season with a chip on his shoulder after being forced to leave with an injury. He's going to be playing with a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger, a lot of passion. And I think he has a good chance of uh, leading the Blues to a playoff spot. Not single-handedly, but you know, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people and, and shut up a lot of doubters along the way. Yeah, that's it's hard to argue with any of those three. My list looks a little different, but uh, they're all still very important. Number one, three things that will lead to the Wild having a uh, successful season and making a playoff run. Not going to go with the one you would think I am going to go with. I'm going with special teams. If the Wilds can go from bottom five in both categories this past season, which is just it's hideous. Um, I know that if you can go for hard to make it to the playoffs with that as year. Well, and then it's funny because, you know, you have those numbers and you see what the Panthers did in the postseason where they were like one of 31 on the power play. And you're like, well, at least it's not that bad, but Hmm. still not great. Uh, So if the wild can go from even, and you don't, you don't have to make like a, a huge jump. I'm not saying like bottom five to top five, but even if the Wilds can get into, let's just say, between 10 and 15 in both categories, that is going to massively help this team. Because the final 40 games of the season, the Wilds' penalty kill was right around 60%. We're not talking like a five-game stretch. We're not talking a 10-game stretch. 40 games, the Wilds' penalty kill was at 60%. That is basically flipping a coin and saying either we're giving up a power play goal or we are getting a clear. And it just it seemed like it was even worse than that. So between 10th and 15th is, I think, going to be enough of a jump for both units that the Wilds can you know, take advantage of power plays to where we don't feel like we're just wasting two minutes of time. Uh, and can actually stop teams from scoring on special teams. If they can do that, that's going to be massive for this team. Number two, we talked about it um, in part one, is the goaltending. If Marc-Andre Fleury can turn the clock back a little bit, and most importantly, if Philip Gustafson can show a little spark, and I talked about this after the trade with the, uh, the guys that locked on Senators, I wonder if Gustafson benefits from coming to Minnesota and not having the pressure of being the guy. 
um, obviously was kind of the, the goaltender and waiting for them, and it just didn't necessarily work out. If he comes here and there's not that pressure and he looks good and he you know gets on a little bit of a roll, because from what I've heard, the splits that they want to use is they want Flurry to start somewhere around 50 games, which means you're going to have about 30 to 32 that Gustafson will start. So he's going to get plenty of run as the backup goalie this year. If he shows some promise in those games, I think that's going to be huge because then you're not going to feel like you have to go to Flurry every night. And if Flurry can go back to even what he was a couple of seasons ago with the Vegas Golden Knights, if he can avoid just there there were a handful of starts for him where he would give up one or two goals within the first like 2 minutes of the game did it against Arizona did it against Seattle down the stretch if you avoid that that will go a long way as well and the third reason that uh, the third thing that will help the wild make a uh, a lengthy postseason run is if the guys we've talked about being the ones that need to fill spots uh, that need to kind of step up. I'll, I'll pivot a little bit. Third reason is if Marco Rossi looks the part and can be a guy who we'd like to see him be one of the Calder finalists, but ultimately if he just looks like a guy that is capable of being a top six center in this league, if he shows that and he shows some some flash and some passing ability and some scoring uh, some scoring touch, that's going to be huge too because we we like to think that Matt Boldy will take the jump after what we saw in his rookie season. If Rossi can give a similar performance, the Wild have had three straight years where they've had somebody that you know has has impressed in their rookie season, and so if he if he adds to that, um, th- this team is going to be in uh, in pretty good hands as well. So there you go. It's 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 a lot of things. But um, if, if they go well, then things are definitely going to go well. So got all the happy out of the way. We'll flip it, and now we'll talk about the flip side of this coin. And uh, so we'll uh, continue our second part of this crossover of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues after this. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info. This season, you can find all the latest football league developments, plus game matchups, news, and podcasts, including the full slate of NFL and college games. BetOnline.net is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, golf, the NHL, the NBA, anything you can think of, they have you covered. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action which you can find at Bet Online, where the game starts. Continuing our two-parter, part two of the crossover between Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues. Once again, thank you for tuning into both shows. We've got you on lock all the way to the start of the season. So make sure you hit subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you follow along so you don't miss out on any info between now and the first games of the year. All right, Josh, it's time for the not-so-nice. 
We talked about the things that will lead to these teams making deep postseason runs. So uh, let's flip it to the things that will lead to a disappointing season. And uh, I'll let you start with this one as well. Yeah, it's funny because there's going to be a bit of crossover between my uh, my three things that I'm optimistic about and three things that I'm, I don't say pessimistic about, but three things that I guess could go wrong that would lead to a, a tumultuous season. And the first one is the, is the fact that the Blues had, like I said, nine 20-goal scorers last year. And that is historic. That is so exciting. And honestly, out of those nine guys, David Perron is gone, so cut it down to eight. Out of those eight guys... I think realistically, six of them might be locks to do it again. You know, you got O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Thomas, Kairou, Shen. Oh boy, I'm gonna forget someone, and then everyone's gonna yell at me. Uh, <laughs> and and the player that I'm forgetting, um, the top six. I think is very very likely that they could do it again. But then you look at a guy like Ivan Barbashev, and you're like, okay, is that repeatable? Maybe, maybe not. And my worry is the fact that the Blues started out their season winning so many games, like six to four five, three, seven to whatever that um, if they, if the offense starts out, not even like cold, but just average, then we could see a, a team that is a little bit too reliant on that offense in the sense that the defense is playing a little bit more loose. And then that leads to Jordan Bennington losing confidence. And then the season is, 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 is lost and, and gone at that point. I don't think that's going to happen, but my fear is that if the offense doesn't start out as on fire, as it did last year, that it could have sort of a domino effect that the defense isn't as confident and the goaltending isn't as confident. But I still think the Blues have one of the deepest offenses in the NHL. Uh, they have, like I said, probably six or so guys that I think could surpass that 20-goal mark again, maybe more if Barbershop continues to grow and if they have some, some rookies breakout, stuff like that. So not super concerned about that. My biggest concern for this next offseason is, and I talked about it in the first episode and I kind of alluded to it there, is Jordan Bennington does not have his safety net. Jordan Bennington had a great safety net last year in Billy Huso. Bennington struggled. Huso came in, took over, did a spectacular job as the starter there down the stretch, carried the Blues into the playoffs pretty much, and then Bennington took over again in the playoffs. If Jordan Bennington struggles a little bit and falters and needs a goalie to play, you know, 20 out of 30 games while he figures his stuff out and then jumps back in at the end. Thomas Grice isn't that guy. You know, if you need Thomas Grice to play a starting caliber workload for a good chunk of your season, you're going to lose more of those games than you win, in my opinion. So it kind of goes hand in hand with if the offense struggles and Jordan Bennington struggles as a result, we could see him lose that confidence and lose that that aggression that makes him such a good player. And we could be looking at a situation where we're starting Thomas Grice a heck of a lot more than we wanted to. Um, again, I'm optimistic about that. I think we saw the best version of Jordan Bington that we've seen in a long time in those playoffs. And because of that, I don't think that that's super likely, but you never know. Uh, and then my third thing, let's see, I'm kind of just going off the cuff here. Uh, <laughs> third thing that I'm worried about. Well, I guess, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious. The defense was underwhelming pretty much all of last year for the St. Louis Blues. It was straight up bad at the beginning of the year. The defense was bad. Not just not that good. It was bad. It was a point where we were like, oh, my God, the Blues can't even make the playoffs with this defense. And then they got Nick Letty and kind of settled that average. Or I guess average for a playoff team. Above average for an NHL team. But they have an average defense on paper, which is fine. 
But if the defense falters, if the defense has another rough start like they did last year, and you're looking at a, a top four of Nick Letty, Tory Krug, Justin Falk, and Colton Braco all locked up long term, and you're saying, okay, if anything, we can move one of these guys if we're desperate. But the Blues have locked themselves into a top four that I think is not as good as it could be. You know, that's a fine top four. Is that a Stanley Cup winning top four? Is that comparable to the top four that the Blues had when they won the Stanley Cup? Alex Petrangelo, Colton Pareko, and Jay Bomeister being the big three up there? I don't think so. I think that their Blues defense is by far objectively worse than the defense that they had when they won the Cup. So if, if the defense plays even a little bit below what's expected of them, the Blues are going to have a bad defense. And that's just a fact, or at least bad in terms of playoff standards. There are teams out there that have like really bad defenses. But in a competitive Central Division, and in a Central Division where you're pretty much guaranteed to run into the Colorado Avalanche in round two of the playoffs, if you make it there, you need a good defense, and you need them to play consistently. And I hope that it doesn't take them too long to get to that point, because once the Blues defense did figure it out and they did gel, they looked good. But you can't really afford uh, half of a season of growing pains out of that that defensive unit. Uh, for the Wilds, three. You'd assume that I would just kind of go with the flip side of the uh, the three that I that would lead to a um, a good season and a playoff run. But I actually have three different ones that I'm going to discuss. So first and foremost, these three things will lead to the Wild having a disappointing season. Number one is if the Wild do not have the opportunity to use the uh, the best defensive line in the NHL, that being the grief line, as we call it, uh, Jordan Greenway, Marcus Foligno, and Jewel Eriksson-Eck. Jordan Greenway is expected to be out uh, to start the season. Not sure how much time he's going to miss, but he will be out to start the year. Marcus Foligno has missed time the past few seasons due to injury as well. And if you have two of those guys on the same line, but not all three, it is a different product than when you have all three of those guys able to do what they do, which is to neutralize top lines offenses of their opponents. If the Wild are not able to use that line as much as they have in the past, that the defense takes a hit. There's no two ways about it. And so if that happens, that's going to cause some problems for this team. Uh, again, because you know, you're, if you take Marcus Foligno out of this wild lineup, it just it does not hum at the same level that it does with him in the lineup. So if Greenway misses time, if he misses additional time, if Marcus Foligno misses time this year, even if Jewel Erickson Eck misses time, it's just... It's a line that just does not function the same. And so if those three are not working together, defense takes a hit. Mm-hmm. So that is, uh, that's the first bullet point uh, that could have leave the Wild having a disappointing season. Number two is, and this is going to sound weird when I say it, but if the other shoe drops from all of the empty net heroics that the Wild had last season, all of the late comebacks that this team had to force overtime and then win in overtime or to just win games outright when they're down by like two goals in the third period. If the hockey gods decide that what the Wild did last year with all of that was enough and that bottoms out, that's not uh, that's not going to be 
super great for the Wild because I don't even know how many games it was. It was it was double digits that the Wild were able to complete comebacks in the third period uh, and end up winning games. So let's just say let's just say it was fourteen games. You change the outcome in those fourteen games, and that's that's a noticeable drop uh, in production. So. I'd like to see the team. I love the heroics, too. I'm not trying to say that I don't enjoy seeing a two-goal deficit erased with like a minute to play, but I think it speaks to trying to play a little better to start the game and get to the point where you have a lead and can hold it as opposed to having to play from behind all the time. If the Wilds can avoid kind of falling into that trap, I think that will... uh, will help them out as well. And then the final one for the Wild, if they have to fill roster spots due to injury outside of the young players that we anticipate in Marco Rossi and Kalen Addison, if they have to go further down in the pool than that, there are players that could be ready to play for the Wild this season, but uh, all of the young prospects are at least a couple of seasons away. So if we're seeing a lot of games played or other guys down in Iowa that are not Marco Rossi or Kalen Addison or a handful of other guys, if they go beyond that, something has gone catastrophically wrong. And so those are the three that I'm going with, but um, obviously there are any number of other things that could go wrong. Um, Injuries, players not having great seasons. It's a long list, but uh, those are the three I'm going with. The good part is, is that... It seems like a lot of the Central Division is kind of riding on that same thing. Like, if this, this, this happens, we'll be fine. If these things don't happen, we won't. So we're going to play a little game to finish today's episode, talking about the Central Division. Yeah, putting you on the spot, I just thought of this. So uh, we'll uh, we'll give it a shot, but uh, we're going to finish by talking about the Central Division as we wrap up this two-part crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues after this final segments of the big two-parter between lockdown wild and locked on blues breaking down the offseason looking ahead to the start of the season and uh josh we're going to play a game to finish and basically it's in or out so we're going to look at the teams that made the playoffs this past year and so it's not there's not going to be a whole lot of changes on the other side of the coin there are a couple of teams that are going to look completely different and that could either work or it couldn't. And so let's just run down the, uh, let's just run down the playoff scope. We'll start of course with the Stanley cup champions, Colorado avalanche, uh, new goalie combo. Ow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm say, just kidding. That would be bananas to start this. <laughs> um, Colorado avalanche, no Darcy Kemper, no Nazem Kadri. A um, couple of other players that departed as well, but still, it's mostly the same players that we have come to to know and kind of be jealous of. Um, so mm. this one seems pretty easy. Yeah, they're 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 still. In. I got the, I got them penciled in at back to back cup champs. Maybe it's just because Tampa just did it, but God, they're so good. I know. They're what? What else can you say other than they're just so good? Like it's it's an onslaught no matter what line and yeah and losing Nazem Kadri hurts but like it's the avalanche they have they have like 
two, three, top three players at their position. You know, Nathan McKinnon is ridiculous. Kale McCarr is going to be probably the best defenseman in the league for the next decade. It's it's like when you have a team that special and that had an absolute cakewalk to the Stanley Cup like they did, like they, it was never in doubt. It was never in doubt. They're, they're, not only are they in, I, I got them winning the Cup again. I can't argue with that. I mean, it's just, it's a really good team. And so we'll, uh, we'll go there. We'll leave our two teams for last, of course. Um, the Nashville Predators, who made the playoffs this past season, uh, they ended up allowing, uh, well, they ended up not having the one of the best goalies probably in the division in the conference for their opening round playoff series against the uh, Colorado Avalanche, and it went exactly how we would expect. But it seemed like a team that relied a lot, more so than others, on like career years. And I just, if there's one team in this mix who I just don't know if they can get all of that to happen again, and I said this, I said this exact same thing last year, and... It, shocker. They made the playoffs. But hot take. I am saying out on the Nashville Predators. I've been going back and forth on this for the whole offseason. I'm just going to commit to it. I am saying out on the Nashville Predators. So locked on Predators. If you guys are listening to this, I'm sorry. Let's talk it out. But I'm saying out. Look, you might have convinced me. Um, I always thought of them as a little bit of like a, a step below in terms of the central division, like made the playoffs b- because another team had to make the playoffs. I think they had to rely on some other teams underperforming almost. Um, similarly to what, like you kind of said about Minnesota too, is like they were relying a lot of players overperforming, but I think Nashville even more so. Um, but the flip side of that is they probably have a top five defenseman in the NHL and Roman Yossi. They have a great defensive core. They have good goaltending. So they could be in. I'll just, you know, I'll play devil's advocate. I think they're, I think they have the pieces to, even if they have that regression, I think they still make the playoffs just because the central isn't looking that strong next year beyond the obvious teams. You know, if, if, yeah. if there's a central team in the wild card, I think the top three is locked in, locked in. But depending on how the wild card race goes, I mean, we'll get into it, but there are some teams at the bottom of the division that, they're just not making the playoffs. So no. Um, some, Nashville, I have in just because someone's got to make it. Right. And I don't want to single anybody out that's not going to make the playoffs, but uh, the Chicago Blackhawks are just – they're just not. Oh, sorry. I wasn't going to do that, but I did anyway. Um, Dallas Stars. They were in. Same thing as all the other teams. A couple of notable departures. A couple of additions. It's just, it's so hard to bet against um, Jason Robertson. He's so good. And Edinger, if he can do it for a full season, I think that's, I don't know, for whatever reason, it's weird that you would look at the two rosters and I would say Nashville is out and then do what I, exactly what I'm about to do and say Dallas is in, but yet here we go. I might, I might take the opposite approach. I might say Dallas is out just because Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn are in regression. You know, Tyler Sagan struggled pretty poorly last year. He hasn't looked like his former self in a couple seasons now. Um, 
similar to Jamie Ben. Uh, they're relying on a young goaltender, which is always hit or miss. Um, and like I said, I think they kind of, like we talked about with the Wild and the Predators, they they kind of need a guy like Jason Robertson to have that career year again and not have that sophomore slump in the sense that teams are figuring him out a little bit more and he won't be able to produce as much. I think they need one of Tyler Sagan or Jamie Benn to return to that superstar form in order yep. for them to make the playoffs. And if that doesn't happen, I don't know if they make it. Because like I said, I don't see a circumstance where teams not named the avalanche blues or wild are, are, you know, in that top three, it's going to be a wild card spot. And I just don't know if Dallas has the consistency to fight in what's going to be a tough wild card race. Yeah. Dallas is definitely going to need Sagan or Ben to have like a Matt Duchesne type year. And you know, that's, that's probably a little too high of a mark, but something like that where you're just like, okay, this guy's clearly just going nuts all year. So yeah, I, and, you know, it's not going to surprise me if that goes one way or the other. But um, it's just because, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just look at those rosters and yet I pick the opposite. Um, let's just gloss through the Pacific. Calgary Flames, wild off season for them. A lot of changes, and yet you look at that team and, you know, they probably won't win the division. But... Ultimately, I think they'll probably still be in the playoff picture by the end of the year. You could argue, and I'm not saying I believe this, you could argue that they got better. There's, you and could. Like, I'm not saying it's the truth, but how often do you see a team lose its two top scorers and have an argument that they got better? I'm not, Like I said, I'm not saying they objectively did, but it's, it's if you're a Flames fan, like this offseason must have been an absolute roller coaster. You go from losing to Drew, losing to Chuck, but all of a sudden you get a new superstar in Huberdo. You get a really underrated defenseman in Uyghur. Like they've always been such a fr- frustrating team to play against, too. Yeah. You know, even when they're on paper not as good as they were last year, they've always just been a team that never quits, that wins games that maybe they don't deserve to win. You know, you you take your foot off the gas against the Calgary Flames, and all of a sudden they've tied it up again and stuff like that. So I, I can't sleep on them. Plus, I love their jerseys, so I want to see those jerseys in the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, Edmonton Oilers, they think they've solved the goalie position. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't make I a mean, case for them not. Have they solved the goalie position? Probably not, because it's the Edmonton Oilers. You know, that is the thing too. Of all the teams who finally address a problem the team that's going to have it not work is for sure Edmonton like if there's going to be anybody that just combusts it's going to be the Oilers because there's just no more outside of Minnesota there's no more snake bitten franchise or just team Minnesota's got four of them Um, there's just no more snake bitten team than the Edmonton Oilers but yeah They'll make it in. They have the they have the best hockey player on the planet, and he's only going to keep getting better. And they might have the ooh, where do you put Drysaddle? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not giving my ranking. That's that's a little too much of a hot take. But you have another top five player on the planet, you know, and they're unstoppable at their. They made it to the Western Conference Finals. Look, they did they get walked by Colorado? Yeah, but so did pretty much every other yeah, team. So did a lot of people. And they have Connor McDavid. You know, you, you got Connor McDavid. I don't care what the rest of your team looks like. And if they did figure out their goaltending position, watch out. That's um, all I'm saying. And then Los Angeles Kings, as weird of a year as they had, I feel like they got to be in, right? 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're I think they're at the point where your rebuild kind of turns into a, a successful team once again. I think they're a really good example of a team that did a rebuild right. You know, they didn't fall into the trap of the Detroit Red Wings with the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, they kind of did, where they gave guys a little bit too much money, but they got out of it well. They have a pretty young team. Um, I think they're in. And then the final team, and I wanted to do this 100% just because I felt the need. A team that I think we can both agree is probably definitely out, maybe definitely out, Hmm. the Vegas Golden Knights. Flew, 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 flew too close to the sun. Anytime you can give it a... be. Uh, I who knows? Like you, you look at their roster on paper, and it's like, what happened? You know, you you had a Stanley Cup team, and then you just wanted more. You just needed to get closer and closer to the sun. You go out, you get Jack Eichel, you you stack up your team, and you forget about depth and prospect and picks. But at the same time, it's the same argument. As the Edmonton Oilers, you know, you have you're that top heavy. That should at least earn you a playoff spot. They should right. have made the playoffs last year. They just underachieved. They were dysfunctional. I don't know if it's just a matter of too many egos in that locker room or whatever it may be, but it's like you look at that team and you look at how far they, you know, rose right away and then now how far they've fallen. And it, it's like even if they've lost a bunch of good players, it's like they shouldn't be that bad. It's like Yeah, I mean expectations are too high yeah it's it's like that it's like somebody is in vegas and they call you and they're like hey i'm gonna need you to uh pay for a plane ticket for me um and you're you're like what what happens did you uh did you extend Mm -hmm. yourself a a little too much a little too much the blackjack table and they're like Mm -hmm. i don't want to talk about it yep that's the vegas golden knights yeah it, it you're absolutely right and the best part about that is that it could be completely wrong once the season starts. So it could be, and you and, and everyone that's listening can yell at us and, and add us on Twitter yeah. and be like, "You dummies! Just you said that this team was going to be good, and they weren't, or vice versa." Keep the receipts, Dallas fans. I'm sure will, uh, or Nashville fans. I'm sure will uh, will keep the receipts on me saying that they won't make the playoffs. But we're not all perfect, so that's that's where we'll leave it. And uh, I think that's mm-hmm. perfect spot to wrap up this two part. Well, actually, I, I just want to say, oh, definitely sure. out, definitely out, Chicago Blackhawks. Th- thank you. I was going to do that anyway and forgot. And so, yeah. See, yeah. thanks for the assist. Got it in there. Yeah, Chicago's not making the playoffs. So, there you have it. Well, Mike drop from there. Uh, thank you for tuning into our two part crossover of Locked On Wild and Locked On Blues. Make sure you hit. Subscribe on YouTube, follow wherever you listen, because we will keep you up to date on both the Wild and the Blues the rest of the offseason into the season as well. So make sure to tune in and keep up to date with us. You can find both shows as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. New episodes all week long. Thanks for tuning in.